podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Welcome to the all-new Sugar and Silk podcast featuring myself, Ben Doughty, and the myself, one and only... <laughs> I see. We're going to do it like that. You're going to you're going to do your bit. You're the co- you're co-anchor, so you're going to um, announce yourself. That's cool, Michael. Um, kicking off, Michael. Last night there was an historical show at yes. the London's O2 Arena, uh, f- featuring an all-female card. Female yes. boxing, well and truly, seems to have arrived. Certainly in the UK. Uh, star of the show, Clarissa Shields, said that the U- US is still uh, got some catching up to do in that regard. But let's talk about the main event. A lot of people over here were talking about precisely what Savannah Marshall was going to do to Clarissa Shields, and she was a bigger puncher, and she was going to leave her asleep on the floor after six rounds. I did fancy Shields on points, I've got to be honest, and I kind of took some pleasure in kind of the job that she did on Marshall, who looked rather threadbare technically. I don't know what your thoughts were. And, you know, in looking at the fight, immediately when the fight started, I looked at how uh, Clarissa moved compared to her... uh, you know, and it, it was just so distinctly different. Uh, Clarissa was very, very comfortable and, and familiar moving around the ring. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the other way, the, the girl was, she was very hesitant. And she was very heavy and cumbersome when she, when she moved. And I thought there was no way they could be talking about the same girl. There's no way they could. Um, I just felt like Clarissa was working at another speed like she she was working she didn't have the viscosity like heaviness of air around her compared yeah. to her opponent it was just it was just crazy um I, marshall had a hard time with her i like i likened marshall to the kind of thing you might find chasing you in a zombie movie you know back in exactly. there <laughs> yeah. i mean it was it looked it was weird michael her rhythm was strange um yeah. and it looked you know when you get a fighter who's decided i'm gonna do this yeah. Whether it works or not, there's no yes. kind of process of, 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 of feeling somebody out. She thought, this is my game plan. I'm going to have this strange kind of marching rhythm and the feints and the jabs. Yeah. I'm going to try and load up and, f- yeah. and hit, her, hit her on the yeah. chin with a big shot, right hand. Um, well, you're right. She's not, uh, I don't think she's a natural fighter. I think she's a girl who's very probably has those attributes. Like she's very strong. She's very determined. She takes a great shot. Things that, you know, some of the ingredients that make for a very good or great fighter. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's her instinct. Uh, Her reflex didn't seem to be that of, of, of a person. I think anytime you have to take a lot of punches in order to score and eventually win uh, at some point in the game, you're going to run to a person who you're not going to be able to hit or not effectively, not consistently, and not hard enough uh, to to get to gather the win. So, you know, I mean, with some people, I think most people seem to agree that Shields won it by a street, and I, I think she did. But you always get the dissenters, and, and I've heard a few people saying, oh, you know, you couldn't have argued with a draw, which, I mean, I'd have argued very vehemently with a draw, in actual fact, because yeah. I think it would have been. Robbery is an overused word these days on social media, no doubt. But it would have been a robbery if, if Marshall had somehow got the nod in her own backyard, relatively her own backyard. You know, it's really interesting, Ben. I've always thought, like, I've, how could a fight be a draw? How could any fight ever be a draw? But then sometimes I go into the round and I'm like, okay, I see that round as a draw, but is that because 
I'm, my, I'm just too lazy to dissect it or it's too much happening to dissect it. Do you know what? In, in reality, it's probably not a draw, Michael. Probably nothing ever is. If, exactly. if you really got into the minutiae of it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. When you get into the minutiae of it, when you get, as you said, when you get to the, when you really look at it, and but you don't really have the time to do that. You got a minute in between rounds and you got to go. So most likely if it's like sways here, sways left, sways right, you say, oh, you know what? I see how it could be blah, 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 and pow. It's a draw. Um, and, and unfortunately, probably the, the ringside judges have to do the same thing as well. And they have to do so without the benefit of having fought before. That's what's kind of, you know... Yeah, because uh, well, that's why we get some, such crazy decisions in boxing, or one of the reasons. Some of the judges have been in there, of course, before at the sharp end, and some of them haven't. A, a lot of them haven't, clearly. You mm -hmm. know, it's funny. Um, I remember when Hagler fought Duran uh, in November 83, mm -hmm. and Ring Magazine, I don't know if it was Burt Sugar or one of those kind of notable scribes of the day, mm -hmm. he said, apparently the new world middleweight champ is caught a guy named even because he won more rounds than Hagler or Duran on the Japanese judges card because he scored six rounds even. Yeah, now, yeah. I think, on, let's do the maths. You've got five rounds to four with six even. So he said, it looks like a guy named even. He's actually the rightful world middleweight champion. It's hilarious. And there was a, I think it was an Italian judge, I believe in the, or it could have been French, but it was European kind of continental kind of guy who scored 10 rounds of Leonard Duran won even. He scored 10 fucking rounds. Can we swear on this show, by the way? Is that allowed? I think probably okay right now. <laughs> as long as you do it, that's okay. Not me. My mom may be listening. That's a good point. Olive, right? Olive, well, actually, yes. yes. <laughs> in fact, I'm not going to swear either. Just out of respect for Olive. That, that's the less profanity <laughs> I will utter on this show, I promise. I doubt it. But um, no, so... Oh, so may I just say again, my mom's from Liverpool. She has no, don't worry about swearing. <laughs> I know, because listen, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but I, yeah. having you on the show, inevitably we're going to go on tangents about you and your career. I watched a cool kind of um, build up to your Frank Tate fight on uh, HBR, I think it probably was. Mm -hmm. And they were showing the whole Alajade family who were all a bunch of cool black scousers you know your mum was was very much you know sad because i was born in birkenhead and, and my family are from liverpool even though i didn't really grow up there oh, wow, and they okay. so that was very familiar to me hearing your mum talk about stuff and you it yeah. looked like you had a bunch of hot sisters as well and it just looked like a cool family but oh man yeah we we're we're uh, a family yeah. <laughs> um but in any case what was, i was going to say like you say, sometimes when you look at scoring, and I don't want to talk about scoring because the other controversy on the card, you told me you haven't seen the fight, was uh, Alicia Baumgartner getting the decision over Michaela Mayer in the chief support. Um, that was a good fight, to be honest with you, Michael, in terms of elite skills and what you might look at as, as elite level boxing. I think it was closer to approximating that than the main event did, as exciting as it was. But a lot of people felt that Mayer won the fight. Um, but Bam Garden, they got the fight. Now, what you get, Michael, is you get lots of people saying, no, but it's just because you don't understand ring generalship. And, you know, my, my, um, Bam Garden landed the cleaner and harder shots, and it's pro boxing. If it had been an amateur fight, maybe Maya would have won. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I score amateur boxing and pro boxing with the same principles. Do you? Ultimately, yes. It's about the fist hitting the face. Like, how many times the fist hits the part of the body more than anything is what counts in either either amateur professional exactly and ring generalship i remember reading an article in boxing illustrated it was a it was a it was a light-hearted satirical article but it was a glossary of terms for the for the, for the boxing virgin who didn't understand the kind of hip 
mostly American kind of fight scribe terms that would be used in a magazine. And so it was, it was like a glossary showing you what things meant. Mm -hmm. And ring generalship was defined as what boxing judges refer to when they score a fight for the wrong guy. And I think sometimes <laughs> it is a thing, Michael. Ring generalship is a thing. But yes. quite how it can be a scoring criteria, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I don't understand that either. You know, just to jump back for a second on the Clarissa Shields and Marshall fight, that was an important part of it. Like that ring generalship we talk about, the person who appears, I guess, the calmest, the one who's initiating the, uh, the initiating the combination or the punches, uh, the yeah. one who's who's cool and relaxed and uh, and handling those punches as they're coming in. Yeah. I guess kind of like that's what they mean by ring generalship, but. It's funny, looking at Clarissa again, uh, I, I don't see her as a puncher. Like, and no, her she, record says clearly she isn't. But a lot yeah. of people let it going into the fight. I thought I'd never really seen Clarissa fight before, and I certainly didn't see Marshall fight before. And But looking at uh, Clarissa, I'm saying, okay, she's a bit of an arm puncher and not as much – doesn't get her body behind her punches. So I didn't quite understand it, but she does have elite trainers behind her. And I think that's what helps her. Like she had John David Jackson Jr. in her corner, yeah. who was a fighter, a junior middleweight champ. He was, yeah. a, he was an incredible uh, American amateur fighter. And, yes. um, and yeah, so I, I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know the pedigree of Marshall's corner. And, but it seems Peter like. Fury. Peter Fury, who's Tyson's uncle. Oh, okay. okay, and was he a fighter? He was. He had one fight and he lost it, apparently, which Clarissa <laughs> made, you know, much kind of glee out of that in the build-up yeah. and the trash talk. Yeah. She said, you were yeah. shit. She said, you had one fight and you got knocked the fuck out. You know what I mean? So um, she, <laughs> Clarissa did rather jump on that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. Oh, she, she can – she doesn't spare the uh, sword at all. <laughs> but, I love, um, I love but, her. These are, these are the kind of things that lead up, uh, you know, in, in entering a fight that give fighters advantages and disadvantages. I mean, if you have somebody that's really been in the ring and can tell you real time what's happening and and um, and prepare you for what's coming at you, then right away, you know, this girl, they, they were the same weight, but Marshall appeared a lot bigger and stronger. As you said, at one point for a second, I thought, okay, uh, Clarissa, her gas tank just kind of like, bottomed out yeah. i think it was yeah. like the middle rounds fifth or sixth round yeah. but then you know she took that round off and she did show uh you know a, a great deal of resiliency in coming back after that or she got her second wind and and but but marshall couldn't do anything with her when she had the opportunity because her punches and actually both of their punches then were if you throw the left then you throw the right, then you throw the left again. And this is kind of like this is kind of like ABC boxing is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Come. So you it's know, more cultured. If if you can throw a jab, then a double left hook, then a left hook to the body, that's a more cultured exactly. kind of attack, right? These are hard things to defend against. These are yes. things that, that, you know, you see guys like Duran and Roy Jones and Muhammad Ali, complex punches, complex combinations. Yes. These are the kinds of things that we need to see in boxing. That tells me that that man is a highly uh, intelligent boxer. That's you know, what makes Mike Tyson so devastating. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. You're not just going in there on instinct. You know what I mean? And that's what that's what I think most uh, – the greater part of female boxing is still that. It's on instinct, yeah. on, on aggression. They score on that and, and toughness and the ability to take a shot. And, and we so we, we expect 
less of women than we do of men. And we should start expecting more of women because they have every single ability that we have. And, and just in closing, I'd like to make that point. Some people, I mean, as much as I like Clarissa Shields, and I think she did a great job and I expected her to win and she did win. Some people were saying, oh God, she's like Floyd Mayweather, man, and she's so good. She wasn't that good and we shouldn't be that impressed. I mean, she, her achievements are utterly colossal in the context yes. of female boxing. Yes, exactly. But she, but she makes Floyd Mayweather look like, guess what, Floyd Mayweather. And that, that, that sense of scale is still there for the time being. Yeah. Moving on. Another guy who's been criticised, um, or an another boxer who's been criticised as being rather technically threadbare, is the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder, mm -hmm. who had another early shower last night, which not <laughs> overly surprising. But um, what do you make of him, Michael? I mean, he he still looks kind of ropey technically, to be honest with you. But he gets the job done, and when he hits, you know, a kind of middling tier heavyweight like Alanius, they stay yeah. hit. Yeah. And Hellenius was also his sparring partner at one point, right? Yeah. 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 So, so there's that familiarity you have. Uh, like fighters who've sparred each other, who then go and fight, they know who was the dominant energy in sparring. And, and right away, most likely, more often than not, you defer to that. Uh, unless something like drastic has happened, like the guy who used to dominate in sparring has been injured or knocked out numerous times, and now he's. You know what I mean? He's seen better days. Uh, yeah. so, so there was that going into the fight, the confidence I'm sure of. Uh, I understand that Klitschko and Wilder were also sparring partners or he sparred yes. with them for a while, but Wilder never asked for that fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he, he didn't yeah. ask for that fight for a reason. But, you know, s uh, staying current, yeah, that, that fight was – as explosive as you would think it would be, like anyone who hit anyone, Hellenius seemed like he was a puncher as well. Um, I, I'd only seen the one fight of his, um, yeah. his last fight. I'm sorry, I forget the name of the fight. Kaunecki? Kaunecki? That's exactly it, yes. Um, the, and, uh, you know, the state of the heavyweight division is still, like you said, threadbare. It's It doesn't have a lot of talent. And because it doesn't have a lot of talent, a lot of things are going to happen and – you know, he is a great puncher. You can't deny that, at least with the right hand. But Montel Griffin says he's the hardest puncher in heavyweight in history. Now, obviously, Montel Griffin doesn't really know that fact. He can't possibly know. You said yeah. it's, it's immeasurable. But um, yeah. some comments for the, for the for the sake of the audience on, on that assessment that he's the greatest heavyweight puncher in history or the hardest. Mm -hmm. well, what, what is your... I mean, in, in order to measure the punch, you'd have to have a, an equal... I just don't know. I don't know. Montel, I respect you. Love you. You're a great man. You're you're an incredible, you know, champ talent. Um, but when it comes to uh, punching power, I mean, there's just so many. I, I, I so many things are flooding my head at the same time, Ben. I can't even get them out. I'm so sorry. But um, but is is. Because when you when you get hit right, and you've been yeah. hit in a gym, and you've been hit in the ring, and you you box one of the one of the hardest pound for pound punches in history, and Thomas Hearns, who yes. did nail you with a shot and put you over, but you got up and you pushed him hard. Yeah, it's true to say, isn't it, that there's different kinds of power and there's different yeah. kinds of buzzed, and yeah. it is really um, hard to explain to people who haven't been in the ring as well. When you say, yeah. "Is he a hard puncher?" you say, "Well, he's kind of a he's kind of a stiff puncher," you know. Or you say, "Oh, that guy's yeah. really kind of heavy handed," you know what I mean? It felt like yeah. you're Larry Holmes, when they asked him, when Sugar Leonard asked him about Mike Tyson's power after the fight, because Ray was yeah. working 
for HBO. Um, in response to um, Ray Leonard asking for a comparison between the other guys, like, you know, uh, Ernie Shavers and such, Larry Fox, Holmes said, I've got to say, he's a sharper puncher than those guys. He said, but other guys punch much harder. Yeah. You know, um, that was his opinion. So yeah. it's hard It's hard to um, to quantify, isn't it? I like to say that if you know how hard your opponent hits, he doesn't hit as hard as you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Say, I, I'm sorry. When you get knocked out, you don't feel it. Right. I've never been knocked out, but I've been knocked down. Yes. Um, and I know it's the strangest feeling. The first mm -hmm. time I got knocked down, I thought I'd been knocked down a couple of times before in the gym or I'd taken a knee or gone over or whatever as a kid, yeah. or whatever. But uh -huh. when I got knocked down by, it was Darren Barker, right? The uh -huh. guy who, who, who won a world title at some point, the IBF title against Daniel Gill. He put me down with a, with a, like a 45 kind of left hook, half left up half left uppercut, half left hook kind of shot. Yeah. And I went down and I didn't feel a thing. I just went slide into the canvas and it was really strange and I didn't know what had happened. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what it's like, right? Well, it, it can be. For instance, uh, let's say Barkley and Hearns, two punchers, two KO punchers. Um, but Hearns is more like he'll, when he punches, he hits a nerve and, and that's... The only way I could describe it, he hits a nerve and Durant, I'm sorry, and uh, Barkley tends to like move your whole brain over, like like yes. sloshing in your head kind of thing. So he's he's heavier. Blunt, he's more like, like if, yeah, blunt force, like you're going to be bludgeoned, like someone's like hitting you yeah. with like a, a thick bat. And then you have another guy who's just like, and it's like, you know, the uh, a dentist has that lance. The dentist has that lance with the curl on it and he just picks your cavity beforehand. He hits that nerve. He wants to make sure it's there. So he sticks that little hook in your mouth and he fooling around. You're like, oh, hey, like this. That turns. It's like you still feel the pain. Or with, with Hearns, like I remember I got hit by him and I was very aware when I was going down in the ninth round. I was very aware. And I saw him loading up for another one to kind of like give me that Pepino Cuevas, hit him on the way yeah. down. And I, was, and I was telling myself, I was talking to myself. And it was all very quick. And I was like, Go down quicker. I knew I was going down. I'm like, go down quicker. Go down quicker because oh, yeah. it's coming at me like this. And I just escaped it. I went down in time first. With Barkley, it was different. I did have my awareness about me, but my body was doing something that I wasn't in control of. So, yeah. so, so, um, and that only comes from like your everything getting like that brain getting moved around and just your equilibrium is totally off base and out of whack and and you think you have control of your body but you don't and i think that was the biggest difference uh in between the two in terms of like the results of when they hit you what you get but i don't know maybe other people get it differently and it's because of my constitution that i yes. take it that way someone may take it a different way Indeed, because it's, as well as people having different types of punching power, you can have different types of responses in, in individuals to punching power. Different types of like, punching uh, Yes, responses, Ben, you're absolutely right. But also, like, you tolerance in different areas of your head. Like, some people take it, you yeah. know, around the top of the head and around the eyes, like Joe Fraser, for instance. But, you know, you catch guys on the point of the chin, or if yeah. you catch guys, like some guys off the top of the head or on the temple. Uh, Alex Ramos was good for taking a shot around here, but if you hit him up around the temple, and he was a very accomplished amateur boxer, and also yeah. he was a top contender as a professional, and and thought to be world champ coming up in the times of Hagler, um, it just doesn't happen, you know. Getting back to Wilder, he has yeah. said, I believe that he would like Usyk next. 
<laughs> wow. How do you think that's playing out? I see that being a really, uh, I, I think that's a good fight. I think it's a good fight because one, obviously Wilder is a very good puncher. Um, and so the drama is going to be there. But yeah. in terms of the skill, and also I don't think, a lot of people don't think Usyk is a puncher, but I think he would be a puncher against Wilder. Maybe yeah, not Wilder only weighed 214 last night. He only weighed 214 and a half last night, Wilder, by the way. Yeah, but um, he's just very tall, his range. I mean, obviously, uh, he, you know, he'd have to be, Usyk would have to be, you know, careful on the way in. You have to respect the power. But the ability is, if you were to ask any professional boxer, would you rather have 100% KO power or 100% ability? You'll take 100% ability every single time because you know how to defuse the puncher. It's not difficult, especially a one-handed puncher. It is not hard. He doesn't throw a left hook of any consequence. He doesn't throw a jab of any consequence, really, when you think about it, in comparison anyway to the right hand. Um, he doesn't fight on the inside. Uh, I, I think probably his stamina would probably be an issue in something like this. So um, if, if, if Usyk is putting up numbers and, and, and catching them quickly, and I, I just – I think that's a very hard fight. Listen, he has a puncher's chance. <laughs> it's a fun fight, isn't it? It's a fun fight. It's a watching. fun fight, a fun fight yeah. watching Usyk walk that tightrope. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, last night uh, down under in Australia, Devin Haney pitched another shutout over George Kambosis Jr. Yes. It was something that a lot of people said there was no point in a rematch and there was no real money for a rematch. Obviously, mm -hmm. there was money for a rematch because they put it on. And it was a sellout crowd. And obviously, I imagine Cambosas are probably very popular in Australia. Mm -hmm. And they could sell it on that basis that he had an off night and he was going to make adjustments and all the rest of it. Yeah. But it did play out rather predictably. Like, a, I won't yes. say it was a carbon copy of the first fight, but it, it was another dominant performance, was it not? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. I think Haney, Haney really um, came in, put himself to put his combinations together really well, enforced his strategy. I don't think. I don't think the way Haney fought out is ever going to change. I think that's just him. And I think he matches up perfectly against Cambosis because, one, Cambosis isn't a puncher, so there's no chance he was going to get Haney out of the ring, really. Yeah, there, there was no yeah, there was no equalizer in this fight at all. There was no, well, you know, you're going to catch him late or maybe you'll catch him in an exchange. He couldn't yeah. exchange with Haney. Haney was faster. Haney, Haney isn't a puncher either, but uh, – he yeah. he has a little authority. He'll you know what I mean. He'll if he cracks you, you'll you'll know you're hit. It's not like you're going to yeah. be like get hit and be like don't oh, hit me more, you know. Um, it's a Floyd Mayweather blueprint, right? I mean, it, it's got the low left hand. He's got the minimal, you know, the or the the, the, the short offensive mm -hmm. output, you know, just singles and one twos and and, and yeah. the hooks and, and all the rest. Know, of in, in terms of power, I thought that. Uh, Mayweather has more power kick behind his punches than than Haney. That's for sure. Certainly a lightweight. Yes, yeah, certainly a lightweight, and and even a, even a welterweight. People weren't too concerned, weren't weren't too happy to walk through Floyd's fire when he sets his feet. I mean, look at him. Even against Canelo, Canelo wasn't dropping his hands and coming straight in on him or or chasing yeah. him overly exuberantly. Um, yeah. You know, they respect when he turns when he sets his feet and he cracks you. People chill out real quick. Um, it's just that he defends. Yeah, 
Floyd will do that. You know, well, let's make a deal. I'm going to keep you in check. I'm going to win this decision. But if you get a little bit too hot, come at me. I'm going to crack you real good. So you make that sort of like silent agreement between one like, and like, like, Yeah, absolutely. Like with Ricky Hatton, because Ricky Hatton wouldn't make that deal, wouldn't make that compromise. Exactly. Ricky knew what his best bet was, and he stuck to it with, with integrity. Yeah. Yes. And that's why he got knocked out to, to a great degree. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So so in terms of that fight last night, uh, yeah, it was very much, you know, it, it, it kind of like flatlined. It was the same old thing. You knew that yeah. Cambosis could not box with Hayden. And, and, he, and because he's not anything other than a boxer himself, Cambosis, he can't let go. Like, here's one thing I, don't, I never understand, Ben. When you're a fighter, I wasn't taught this either. So I, it's the same thing shining on me. You're, you're taught to fight a certain way and you stay within the pocket. And that's just the wrong thing. You have to do like scenario. It's almost like, like in football, American football, you go to the two-minute drill. You need to win the game within two minutes. So you do things you don't usually do. Yeah. And in boxing, they don't do that. It's like, okay, well, listen, here's the last, this is the last round of the fight. You have to learn to let go. You can't stay here and do this and like, blah, 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 and throwing punches down the line, little jabs and stuff like that. That's not going to win you the fight. Now you have to be big. You have to open up big. Yes, you're going to, chances of you getting caught are bigger, but this is the only way you're going to have a chance to knock someone out. Like, you can, you can box like, uh, I don't know, Sugar Ray Leonard, but who is a great finisher? I can't mess with that. But um, yes, in, yes. in the last round, you got to punch like your John the Beast Mugabe or George Foreman. You got to open up your shots you need to take. Because otherwise, then, you're not going to win anything. I mean, you know what? Win. After four rounds, his corner man, oddly, the corner man who was talking to him was the one out the back, not yeah. the one in, in, in the ring with him. There was two in the ring with him. And there was yeah. a guy talking from behind him, t- telling him what yeah. to do. And he said, it's the fifth round now. He said, you've got to start tagging him, is what he said. Uh, and then he said, you've got to start getting your feet there. You know, he, he just said, you've yeah. got to start getting your feet there because, you, you know, you, you're not getting your feet in first. So you're not, um, you're not, you're not <laughs> being able to hit him. You're not getting in range. But the yeah. funny thing that Cambosis kept doing was the kind of orthodox southpaw thing. But that was gaining him absolutely nothing. And it, it was strange because whenever he did it, almost right on cue, Haney would hit him with a, a pinpoint one-two as soon as he went in that port side of stance. He never yeah. threw a punch from it, I don't think. He just kept standing in it. I think what, I th- he didn't throw anything he like he did in the first round numerous times and I think what he wanted to do was it was their way of confusing Haney. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like show him southpaw, show him orthodox and, and that's going to cause him to hesitate and if he's hesitating he's not punching. If he's not punching, he's not hitting you, he's not scoring. That's but- what I hoped. Yeah, that's what they hope, but that wasn't the case. I mean, I I do think like, I guess later it got to be blowout rounds, and at some point it seemed like Haney was a little bit like winded for a second. But yeah. you know, I know it was just it just never turned into what you'd hope it would. You know what I mean? And and I think like I say, I, I wasn't eagerly anticipating the fight for that reason, and I think. If only somebody had more control of this sport globally, where they could say, sorry, but we don't think this one is, is the best option forward. I realise, you know, fighters, people have got vested interests. And it's good that, to, to a degree that fighters have got control over certain things. And, you know, you, I guess Cambosis, his whole kind of bargaining chip in the first place for the first fight was he could get yes. rematch goals. Yes. But I think if it's not regarded, if it's not in the public interest, then perhaps we should be able to veto some things like that in favour of others. Talking of the public interest, I want to finish on this. We're not going to, if we stick to our promise of just doing half an hour, 
Okay. Uh, then we're not going to get a lot of time to talk about it. Maybe we'll do 35 if, if you're cool with that, because <laughs> I don't think anyone's got a gun to our head. But I want to, <laughs> British boxing has been rocked by a scandal of the last 10 days when Conor Ben failed a drug test for the drug clomiphene or otherwise known as Clomid, uh, often used for uh, female fertility, but not exclusively, clearly. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the fight was cancelled, which was a big, big fight big casual audience really looking forward to it the hardcore seemed to be divided on the kind of veracity you know and and uh the organic value of the matchup but it was a big big uh fight they were getting ali fraser type money for it they were scheduled to wow and then on wednesday ben tested positive just before the public workout uh yeah. you know the rest it, it all blew up uh he wanted to fight still eubank still wanted to fight still wanted to pick up that cash mm -hmm. um the promoters said it would go through still at first certainly keller sauland thought so eddie Hearn was playing it close to the chest and in the end he took the decision rather than lock horns with the british boxing border control and go against them and get foreign sanctioning which frank warren did on one occasion with hay and chisora back in 2012 with the mm -hmm. luxembourg federation eddie decided to take it on the chin everybody would have to take the hits and they would have to postpone it at least um, it's been very damning the public reaction to Conor Ben since people are saying that the only reason that would be in your system is because you're bang at it, you're on a cocktail of anabolic steroids, you know what you're doing, we know what you're doing, and you should be banned for, for life or for, for a long time, even though you probably won't be because money talks. What's been your take on this, looking across the pond at us? I always, I don't understand the, why people would cheat, one when you're in, especially in that kind of competition. Two, um, anabolic steroids to me have, have always been, why is a person not up on murder charges or at least a different, some sort of assault thing because you're going in the ring. One man is honoring the rules and saying, this is not what we do. I'm going in there clean and I'm preparing for you the best way I can. The other man's going in there and he's, been juicing and this thing's gonna make him it obviously scientifically proven to show that you're gonna be stronger. The way you're gonna be stronger, you'll last longer, your endurance, your power, everything about you is gonna be I'm glad you say that because in the past yeah. you've said, well it doesn't give you boxing skills, which clearly it doesn't, and it doesn't give you ring generalship no. and all the rest no, of it. No. But boxing Absolutely. is still intensely physical, right? So yeah. on that really. basis yeah. when I say that, when I say that it doesn't give you boxing skills, I'm just saying like you know, there are probably fighters that have juiced and have still lost. It doesn't mean like you're going to juice and you're going to win because a guy who has skills and, and has the ability to make you, you know, to move you around the ring, skills are, are that's the ultimate anabolic steroid, I guess, <laughs> you know, skills. Yeah. But, but in that, in that other case, yeah, it's just, it's just not right. And if you really. look at Conor, Conor Bain, if you, I don't know how much you followed his career from from scratch, Michael. But several, a few years ago, back in 2017, certainly he was a mediocre looking, not too big punching, you know, very sort of half exciting, half, half sort of watchable little fighter that you thought he'd be lucky to win a British title. That was the consensus. Wow. Then suddenly he just got better and he started blowing these fringe world class guys away. Guys have seen better days, perhaps like Van Heerden. And, and Algeria and such, but still, you know, blowing him away all of a sudden. Yeah, sure. And even Eddie Hearn even said after one of his, uh, you know, devastating performances, you didn't used to have the talent, but now you've got it. Now I'm sure you, as a as a learned man, are aware of what a, um, 
a statement that is, you know, yeah. what, what an oxymoronic statement so, it is. So then but then he, he seems to be a blueprint for it. Too good to be true. Too, too good to be true. I agree, says Jeff Thompson. I did want to get a bit of audience participation, by the way. I would like to say hello to Danny Graham, John Doyle, and Jeff Thompson, who, who all, I've seen their comments flashing up here. But yeah, yes, yes uh, and I believe we, we've been told by Simon to, to have a look at the comments before before we finish, just to see if we can take that. Can you read that? It says amazing. For, see, it comes up for a while, but they're. Yeah, it's amazing. It's under the pressure of Tiafimo, but couldn't handle Haney in two fights. Um, yeah, and he's a smart operator, though. Yeah, and that's the thing because uh, Cambosis isn't the kind of guy that wades through an opponent's power. He doesn't, you know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't wade through an opponent's power. And in fact, he didn't do that against um, Tio either. He didn't wade through his power, but he did. He did counter in his own way. He did initiate in his own way. He did throw in between uh, uh, efforts by Tio. And and that's what won him the fight. And him trying to do that against Haney, like they're trying to pick shots. Uh, yeah. You can't do that against Haney. No, he couldn't. Maybe somebody Lopez like Stevenson could. Lopez is a more aggressive fighter. That I, I say, uh, Haney <laughs> comes from that newer generation of Black American fighters to whom the, who pray at the Church of Floyd Mayweather. You know, like like Shakur um, <laughs> Stevenson and and, yeah. and 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 Haney himself. Ben, let me just say quick look. I go to the gym and I see guys all the time. You know, the the first thing they do when they get to the gym, you do it like this, and you and I'm just like, oh my god, okay. Like so many fights, so many. John Doyle just likened Sugar Ray Leonard's finishing ability to Joe Lewis's, taking up your earlier point that you uh, about Ray. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sugar Ray had an incredible finish. In fact, I see Ray as one of the most efficient, effective finishers of all time. Shuri was amazing when he got you hurt. If you get you hurt, yeah. you're out. Yeah. But um, in any case, get, getting back to Conor Ben then. So mm-hmm. so we agree that, that you know, that the, the, the advantages of performance enhancing drugs in a physical game can be considerable and they can be the difference between being the mediocre, ordinary fighter and a potential world beater. And, and you know what? All right, organically, he's not a world beater and he's not an elite fighter, but he was steered and marketed into a position just the other weekend of a multi-million dollar fight that I believe he was due to get five million pounds. I can't verify that, but that's the kind of figures I was hearing, you know, from credible sources. It was eight and five million was supposed to be the purses. Uh, Eddie Hearn said he thought that one million pay-per-view buys was plausible on the zone. So, you know, everybody had a lot invested in this and, and, and it's a massive, it's a major, major, um, I said I wouldn't swear, but it's a major fuck up to have to pull it, you know. I'm not convinced the fight's coming back anytime soon. I think it's going to be interesting, Michael. I'm not sure this is going to be easily brushed under the carpet, to be honest with you. I think it, this is going to, this may be the, the, the one that blows up and doesn't work out too well for various people, obviously, including Conor Ben, who's in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what, see? What do I want to ask you, what do you see as Ben's options on this now? Like, what would you do if you were his manager? What, you mean integrity aside? Like, you just mean literally strategically? Uh, I'm, I'm saying, yes, integrity aside. Okay, good. Otherwise, why would you be a manager? You wouldn't even get the license. Um, So I I think Eddie Hearn was saying that the B sample almost certainly will confirm the A sample result because they almost always do. Uh, 
-hmm. He said, so look at what they will be looking to do. He was implying they'll be looking to contest the veracity of the test results themselves. You know, the the Mm -hmm. failed A sample and what may become the failed B sample. He said that they want to have their chemists or biochemists present when this B sample is opened. So they want to bring their own chemists, basically. That's Matra, Conobane, etc. And they will be looking to uh, dispute the findings as such. You know, never mind. They probably want to stall the decision or, or at least ask questions for people who are staunch Ben supporters to give them a reason to stay with them. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, uh, yeah. I mean, we see it all over the world, happening not only in sports, but in politics. It's like you just want to give your favorite uh, 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 an out, an alibi or a reason why he could not just put a little shade of doubt on the answer and then the people that are strong supporters of him can still stay behind him. Exactly. Uh, do you have a suspicion how it will go? I know you're, not, you're probably not as dialed into it as we are over here, but do you have a gut feeling what will be the upshot of this in a few weeks' time, whenever it gets resolved? Yeah, um, I think probably to Ben's benefit, if it never yeah. gets resolved, it's probably going to help him more. If You know what I mean? Like, if it doesn't get if it doesn't get blown out and, and it's just like, well, there's someone else is questioning it. It's like, what do they say? Alternative truths <laughs> over here in the political scene. They're like, Oh, it's an alternative truth. There's no alternative than the, to the truth, but there is in cases like, like this. Um, he's uh, in my eyes. It he's my eye. Sorry. He's tainted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's tainted. It, it's tainted. Yeah. And, and now that it's tainted, I don't think, I personally would question anything before, and I would absolutely question anything after. Um, so, you know, I mean, I understand somebody also came out of the woodwork, a, a fighter who he fought in the past that said, yeah, I can't it. he blew, you know what I mean? Like he hit me and I'd never been hit like that before in any time in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think of that? You know what? You've got to weigh it up. Sometimes a fighter jumps on the bandwagon because he thinks, okay, now there's my get-out clause. You know, that that kind of psychological damage that that knockout loss did, I've now got a get-out clause because it wasn't real. And he's a son of a bitch and that's the end of it. You know, you could say, I remember when Billy Joe Saunders tested positive for oxylophon and David Lemieux was suddenly talking smack saying, oh, you cheating bastard and no wonder you you box absolute circles around me because you had this kind of stuff that makes you lose weight, um, you know. But... um, I mean, see, here's the thing as well, Michael. I've been pretty vocal about the Conor Ben thing, I suppose, while not making an absolute judgment. Whereas I was kind of quiet when Billy Joe Saunders um, tested positive for oxalophrine and lost the um, the Andrade fight because of that. Because, you know what? Because he's a friend of mine. Uh, yes. Same way, if you suddenly got convicted of something really heinous, with maybe yeah. with one of them Victoria's Secret models that you seem to be lucky enough to train, suppose <laughs> something really terrible happened, you know, there's a scandal of that nature. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be talking all over social media about it. I'd be saying, well, it doesn't sound like the Michael I know. And the thing is, <laughs> it isn't the Michael I know. You know, you know what I'm saying? I was a bit co- it's all very well to say to accuse people of being hypocrites, but we are instinctively a little bit more close to the chest when it's our friends and people that we vouch for who suddenly in the spotlight for something like that. So, you know, um, Billy Joe, I, I didn't believe, ultimately, I chose not to believe that he was a drugs chief. You know what I mean? I thought it was yeah, so- what we do in times like that, I just tend to, and I think the most, the majority of us just tend to go silent. Yeah, yeah. Because there's really, you know, common sense will tell you this happened and it's undeniable. 
And so, you know, you just kind of like, yeah, uh huh. And you, you know, make superficial uh, sort of like statements. You don't really go in depth on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately it's the nature of the drug that was found in a system which seems damning because it seems harder and harder to, from everything I've learned about the drug since this story broke, it seems hard to, for it to end up in your bloodstream by accident. And it does seem so awfully consistent with the uses that, that, that people who understand this, particularly bodybuilders, they're always your go-to guys when something like this. A boxing fan who's a weightlifting guy, a bodybuilding guy who hangs out in the gym in that kind of kind of meathead kind of culture, right? That, yeah. But they like boxing. Those are your guys who will tell you that they're like, they're like chemists, you know what I mean? So it seems very consistent with what they're talking about. If, in closing, let's look at what John Doyle says Um and we can kind of use that as our kind of outro for this one, I think. He says, in track and field, if you test positive by VADA, the, uh, the, the, the association ban you immediately with no hearing. Yeah, this is what John's saying. He's saying that as soon as you get that red flag, that is it. There's not all this kind of mitigation. Because you see, it's very cloudy in boxing, just in closing, because UCAD are the only um, body that the British Boxing Board of Control, who Colin Ben is licensed by, UCAD are the only authority they recognise in this context. Having said that, lots of fighters in, in the UK and, and around the world sign up to this VADA testing, which the WBC very much push. I'm not saying it was related to this fight, but they do. Conor Ben, in actual fact, was once kicked out of the WBC rankings because he wouldn't enrol in the VADA, you know, uh, sponsored kind of clean programme. Then he said, then he did sign up for it and then he was back in the rankings. Um, but... Because UCAD are the only authority the British Boxing Border Control recognises, it's a bit difficult to see what they're supposed to do about a VADA, a VADA test, or, you know, an adverse finding, never mind anything else. But, um, you know, um, you, you could argue that we, we need more cohesion on this, for sure, in boxing generally, and we need a global governing body, and we need a, sta a set of standard uniform procedures, you know, not just for drugs, but for other things, like whether we should have pointless rematches in Australia or not, or whether we can move on. So, uh, the thing is, Ben, but here it is, as simple as this, cheating is cheating. There's no yeah. reason why that thing should be found, that those chloroform or whatever it was, should be found, in, yeah, okay, that too, should be found in your system. There's no reason, there's, there's, there's no. no reason why it should be found in your system. In boxing, you're allowed one thing in the corner, water, that's it. I mean, maybe now they, I don't know what seven up i don't know but from when i was fighting up until uh, fairly recently the only thing you're allowed in your corner is water and you know it's the same thing with training it's like yeah you could drink orange juice if you want or seven up in training but come fight time water only and and when you're taking an anabolic steroid something that's changing your very like cellular structure and making you stronger and faster and and hit harder you're hitting a man with you know more than your normal power and more power than he's used to be hitting you that's 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 murder you're you're at least changing this you i don't know you're killing brain cells you know what i mean yeah. and you're and and that is that there should be a law for that there's no way they should absolutely wash this away and shove it under the carpet and it never happened so the fight never happened so now there should be no repercussions it's like no you need to lay down a law if you have somebody who who feels like they're above the law and they're allowed to do those things and then they do in turn get get over on it and and are allowed to you know get a free pass and come back and fight again guess what 
more people are going to do it. Then you may as well say, listen, it's a freestyle, like do whatever you want, come in clean, come in dirty, it don't matter. Or you have to, you know, I know it's almost like, uh, you know, the the death knoll of, of the sport, you're killing it, you're changing it. It's not right. And you need a series of laws and rules in order to operate as, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a sport. You need Absolutely. It. I would like to thank everybody for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Sugar and Silk. Thank you, Michael, for gracing me with your presence um, and, and for agreeing that your name would appear second in this kind of pecking order. Um, <laughs> it's just thank you very much, Sugar. I think it just sounds Sugar and absolutely. Silk. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's not true. There's any kind of uh, argument over that. Listen, guys. Although if my head grows bigger, it might, it might you know, fluctuate. A <laughs> Indeed, exactly. We just got to keep you right, nice and down at a, a level. Um, okay, stay in your lane, as that historian Steve Compton once told you. And I'm glad that you've now taken that on board. Um, guys, go to Ace Podcast, Ace Podcast Nation on Patreon uh, if you want to get involved and become a private member. This is uh, without whom this show would not be possible. We're going to keep on rolling from this point forward, coming at you with elite level boxing chat. We will have special guests. We will have clips and stuff. But right now for the first episode we just wanted to bring you a good shot of sugar and silk thanks for joining us we'll be back next sunday same time that's 9 p.m uk time and that's 4 p.m est thank you very much silk next right, time. thank you very much sugar see y'all later Bye. sports social podcast network